All right, well, this morning, uh, we have one more special treat. There's just all kinds of surprises this morning, and this is Zach Johnson. Zach is going to team teach this first lesson in our series called Anxious for Nothing. You'll get to hear Zach's story in just a second. Um, the reason I've called Zach forward to help me with this is for the last couple of months, we've been talking about anxiety, and so... I thought it would be way more insightful for you to hear from a guy like Zach with me as we unpack um, the secret to overcoming anxiety. Now, I want to start before we jump into it. If you have a Bible, by the way, or a Bible app, I encourage you to open up to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 is the anxiety chapter in the Bible. You've, you've probably all heard of the love chapter in the Bible, right? Love, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, all that kind of stuff. We all know the love chapter. But... The anxiety chapter is Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to spend the next five weeks in Philippians 4 because it has so much in there about anxiety, all kinds of anxiety, and, uh, and we're going to be talking about verses 6 and 7 today. But before we jump into that, you guys can start finding your way there in your Bibles or on your Bible apps. Zach, I welcome, by the way, welcome. Thank you. And I, I want to start by letting you just tell your story. So... Up like from until when I was born? Yeah, or, from when you were born, okay. yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Up until, uh, what, six months ago, you probably didn't know anything about anxiety. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you, you do now. So tell us a little bit about that, and we'll talk a little bit more about it as we go through the message today. Well, I, I would just encourage you all, if, if you ever want to um, understand if you're a, a nervous, a fearful, or anxious individual, just come up here and look at everybody and try and speak. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I, we, we've been talking a lot about it, and uh, for me, for uh, the entire majority of my life, you know, I would have, I would have said that um, I was a very level-headed, logical, kind of peaceful individual who didn't really understand fear or anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And um, I, I grew up in a small town in Indiana, went to college there, moved out uh, to California, I've been all over the country since for, for work. Um, I work for the same company that I started with out of college. And um, God brought me here to Utah in 2014, um, which I didn't know a single individual. And at that time, I was, you know, I felt like a very, very independent individual, had very little fear, um, and basically revolved my life around, I, 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 was, a, I'm a, I was a believer and um, love Jesus, but revolved my, my life around work and my hobbies, which every weekend was multiple different hobbies. And um, was, was very, very lucky and, and, and blessed. God blessed me in 2017 to uh, five, five and a half years ago to marry my wife, Heather, um, who a lot of you may know. And um, I wasn't only blessed to be married uh, to Heather at the time, but I was also very blessed to become a dad to a 13-year-old girl, and uh, I've adopted Madison. And, and so throughout the entirety of my life, I was, I was very independent, um, very hardworking, very diligent, um, very adventurous, and uh, basically would, would do whatever I want a lot of times by myself, right? And when I, became, uh, when I became a husband and when I became a dad to a 13-year-old about to, you know, in middle school, moving into high school, um, who, who I had no relationship with, uh, there were, there, I think there were a lot of, a lot of things that had to change, mm -hmm. right? A lot of, res, a lot of responsibilities, 
um, that I had never even really considered mm-hmm. when at, at that time. And then, um, but it was great, right? Like we, we, we got into, we got into normal life and um, I continued working like I was when I was, when I was single, which uh, obviously caused some strife in our, in our marriage and um, didn't allow me to be the dad that, um, that I should have been. Um, but at the same time, Heather and I decided um, we would like to have, we would like to grow our family. So we tried for two and a half, almost three years, and just, just couldn't get pregnant. Well, um, God blessed us with a little boy, uh, Jackson, who's two and a half years old now, um, and things continued to change, right? Work had to continue to find its place, and I had to continue to grow in responsibility and continue to figure out what it was to, to be a dad, to, to help my wife, to have a child who didn't sleep but more than an hour at a time, right? And, um, and so... We kind of got into the rhythm of things. Jackson turned, turned um, six months, I think. And then one night, Heather rolled over to me in bed. And she said, hey, Zach, I just want to let you know I'm pregnant. And, <laughs> and I, I rolled over to her. And I said, no, you're not. And then I rolled back over. <laughs> and I reject that. <laughs> and then two minutes later, she rolled back over to me because we were back to back at this point, probably as far as we could be from each other in the bed. <laughs> And uh, she said, hey, uh, I really am pregnant, and do not respond to me that way. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then it took me about 24 hours to kind of, for things to adjust. And um, nine months later, we had Ruby. And so we, at, at that point, we have an 18-year-old who's a freshman in college at Utah State. We have a, a 15-month-old, and we have a brand newborn. And we go back to no sleep, and we go back to craziness, and... And right after Heather had Ruby, which the pregnancy went great, um, her, her blood pressure skyrocketed like crazy, crazy bad. And um, we took her to the ER, and they just said, you know, it's, it's postpartum preeclampsia, and it should come down. Well, we're in the hospital. We have a brand newborn. And, and I'm like, am I going to lose my wife? Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a girl in college. I got a two-year-old or a, a 15-month-old and a brand new one. Mm. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this on my own. Um, luckily, we figured some things out there, and, and, and she's healthy now. But that kind of snowball effect of life has changed, dude, and you got to get your stuff together. Mm. And um, maybe, yeah, maybe five months ago, uh, it's, it's, it's chaotic, you, you know, I can't, I can't imagine how, how uh, the Khan family feels, right, when you guys back up like that, it's just chaos, right, it's, it's absolute chaos, and a, a couple months, ago, or three months ago, I was driving home from my mother-in-law's, we were all over at her house, and um, I was just going to get something and come right back to do some, to do some landscaping, and I felt this, this tightness in my chest, and my heart started pounding, and I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm. And I called, I called my wife. I called her again. She didn't answer. I was two minutes away from the house where they were at. And um, my, mother, my mother-in-law, Cheryl, answered, and she handed the phone right over to my wife. And right away, I calmed down, just like that, and drove back. And we, 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 I just talked to her, and I said, babe, I have no idea what's going on. I, I feel so weak right now. Mm. Like, as a man who should be leading my family, I feel weak, and I'm sorry. And that begun 
this, this process of, of where we're, where we're at today, which we'll talk about. So. Yeah, so let's, let me, let's recap this. Let's see if we get this right. You're, you're a bachelor. You're in your, you're in your early 30s. You're a bachelor. No, no care in the world. And within five years, you got a wife. You've got a teenage girl. And then you have two small children at home. Yeah. Because I know when I, when I first started having panic attacks a few years ago, the first question the doctor asked me was, has anything changed in your life? And I don't know if the doctor asked you that, but for, you're looking at two guys up here who have net, we, we would like hear our wives talk about anxiety or our kids talk about anxiety, and we're like, we'd be like, get it together. Tough, but like, get through it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Man up. Mm-hmm. And then it happened to us, and we realized this is a real thing. And so I don't know if some of you out there listening, some of you maybe can relate to what we're talking about. Some of you men, I can't, there's so many men I've talked to in the last couple of years who have dealt with what we're talking about. It's really interesting. And we, so we want to make sure that men are listening to this as well. This is why I wanted Zach up here. He's a man's man. He's an engineer. This is a guy that never thought anything about anxiety until just recently. And the same thing with me. So for you men, I want you to pay attention because if you think you're above it, God's going to get you. <laughs> like he might. If you think you're, I, I thought I was above it. Zach thought he was above it. Or, I mean, it's not like, you need, we didn't even think about it. Right. And when it hits you, it hits you. Some of you are out there listening to this saying, I've dealt with anxiety. I know what this feels like. Some of you have this low hum of anxiety. You've dealt with it for a long time. Zach and I, we were new to this. And so, so wherever you are sort of on the spectrum, we want to share with you how to overcome Anxiety, the seek, we're going to talk about the secret to overcoming anxiety. Here's, what, here's how anxiety is defined. It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. So maybe think about this. Some of you who, are, who have this, you'll know just what this is. Some of you, maybe this is going to be new to you. It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an out, uncertain outcome, right? So I know, Zach, you like to talk about that it starts with what if, right? Yeah, for me, for me, it it you know as me- mentally and emotionally as as I would become more anxious, everything was what's going to happen, right? What if you know I would I would be laying down in bed at night, not being able to sleep, saying what if I don't wake up in the morning? Mm-hmm. Which is the craziest thought, right? It's the absolute craziest thought, right? But I didn't want to leave my kids, and I didn't want to leave my wife, like, and when we had. Probably when we had Ruby, our little one, it, it came to the point of like, all right, I've got to live at least 18 years, right? And I had never considered that in my mind. I had never considered my, my own mortality. So yeah, it, I think for me, it's what if. For, for me, it's also uh, um, losing control, mm. right? Not being in control of a situation. Um, for me, it, it takes my, my breath away. It, it helps me. It, it doesn't allow me to sleep. It affects my health. Um, it, it does a lot of things, and you know, it, it made my blood pressure rise. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes my brow sweat, my chest tight, my eyes twitch. Like I would be sitting in meetings, and I've been at this company for 16 years. I would be sitting in meetings, leading the meeting, feeling like the walls were closing in on me, and feeling like, "Where's the exit? I've just got to." And I've never felt that way before in my life. So, so yeah, it, it manifests in a lot of different ways. But I think for me, it's always what could happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that you're not in control of it. Yeah. Because for the longest time, you thought you were in control of your life, and then you have kids, 
and you realize, anyone who has had kids, you realize you're not in control of your life. You thought you were, but you're not in control, right? And it doesn't just take a teenager. Even just young children at home, you realize, I can't protect my kids. I remember having this feeling for, for years, having this feeling, always thinking I was in control of my little, my little kingdom, and then realizing when the kids go off to school, even in, even in grade school, like, they're, they're away from you for hours during the day, and you see stuff on the news and whatever else. And so I know this was a lot of what was triggering for you is this, this protection mode for your kids, and you couldn't control. What if something happened that I can't control? So we're going to be taking a look at this, this verse, or these verses here in Philippians chapter 4. This is, the, uh, this is really kind of the verse from the New King James Version where we, where we derived our, the series title. It says this, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this is what we're going to be unpacking today, but we're going to be looking at this whole chapter. I encourage you to study this chapter over the next five weeks with us, to study it, commit it to memory as we go through this together. But I want to, I want to start with this uh, This. Thing that we call the anxiety cycle. Let's talk about this a little bit and then let's give the solution to this as we unpack those verses. It starts with a little bit of anxiety. Something triggers your anxiety and we can relate to this, Zach. And what, what you do next, get ready for this, what you do, this is the problem. What you do next is you avoid it. You stuff it. You say, I'm not gonna, I don't like that feeling of not being in control, so I'm gonna avoid it, I'm gonna stuff it. So what happens next is you get temporary relief it works for just a little bit. You're like, okay, that worked. I swept that elephant under the rug, and I'm good now. But inevitably, what it causes is more anxiety to the point where now you, uh, you have a panic attack at, what, 35 or what, however old you were when you had your panic attack. For me, it happened at 45. All of a sudden, I, had, I started having panic attacks. And guys, I wanted, I literally, never in my life, I was, I've never been a guy that says, I want to die, ever. You never would have heard those words from my mouth. When I had those panic attacks the first couple of weeks, I wanted to die. I was like, Lord, if this is how my life is going to be, I can't handle this. Some of you are here and you know what I'm talking about. That was a new thing for me. And what Tracy told me as she watched me go through this is she said, you've just been doing this your whole life, Brian. <laughs> you've been stuffing it your whole life. And I think that's one of the things that happens with type A personalities, and you probably realize this as well, that you didn't realize that you were just pushing through. It, it turns out anxiety isn't new for you. It's just that you always avoided it. Same thing with me. We always stuffed it, right? Yeah, I think for me, I always worked through it. And when I mean work, legitimately worked through it, right? Like didn't work through it, but just went to work to work through it, if you will. Um, I, I remember when... I had that moment when I was driving. It was on a Saturday. I think it was a, it was a Friday or a Saturday. And, and that weekend we came to church. And um, I was, we stood up to sing and I was a wreck. I was an abs. I have, I've never cried in church. And I couldn't stop crying. Mm. And my wife looked at me. And she's like, what's going on? And then she, she handed Ruby over to, to my mother-in-law. And she just, she just hugged me. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. It was, it was the weirdest feeling. And then when, when we left, 
Heather asked me when we were driving home, she said, what's, what's going on? And I said, I think that God just told me, not audibly, but I think God just told me that I have made my work and my career my God. That for the last 30, not, not 37 years, because I didn't work at one, right? But for the, for the last 16 years of my life, even after I got married and even, even after we had children, my career and, and my, my job and my performance in that arena was everything to me. Hmm. And it took all of this to happen for God to show me that. And at that, that was the point where we could start breaking some things down and start figuring out what new normal, what a solution, what would look like. But God had to make that apparent to me that I was a workaholic and work was my God. And you learned that because I know you talked with your brother about some of this as well, your younger brother, and it turns out he's the same way. Yeah, my younger brother's two years younger and he is going through the exact same thing. He's been... Um, he was an executive pastor at a church for a long time and um, an owner of a construction company. And uh, he has four kids that are, that are younger, and he's going through the exact same thing right now. And I think, I think for us growing up, we were three boys. Uh, we had a dad who was, um, who work ethic, you know, kind of def- defined him, and, and that's where it got to us. We thought it was a good thing, a positive thing, right? Working as hard as you can till you're just absolutely exhausted is a good, positive thing. But um, we realized that we needed to change some things. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna spend the rest of our time here talking about how to change it. And this is something you and I both have gone through. And it turns out the secret, and we're going to talk about this in terms of the peace cycle. So we're going to replace that anxiety cycle where you have a trigger, then you stuff it, and then it gets worse. We're going to replace that with the peace cycle. We, we find this in verse 6, Philippians 4. Verse 6. Now, we already showed it to you in the New King James Version, but now let's go ahead and switch over to the New Living Translation because this is the wording that we're going to use for our peace cycle. It says there in verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. So we see four things there. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it, how we did it in our lives. Okay, so number one, he says, don't worry about anything. So we're going we're gonna to call, call this overthrowing worry. Now, I want to make sure that I explain this, what we mean by overthrowing worry. When, when Paul says, don't worry about anything, at first that sounds like what we used to say probably to our wives or our kids, like, quit worrying about, why are you so anxious? Quit worrying about it. That, I don't think that's what he's saying. What Paul is saying is don't let worry control you. The actual, the, the verb tense that he uses there in the Greek is don't be a worrier, don't, be, don't continually worry. It's not, wrong. it's not wrong. Anxiety's not a sin. Like to be fearful or anxious for a moment's not a sin. In fact, part of it is helpful. It's good if you see your kid playing around the pool, right, and without the water wings on and the pool cover's not over the pool, like you should be a little worried about that, right? So there is a certain amount of worry that's healthy, but what Paul's saying here is don't, Don't let worry control your life. You shouldn't be controlled by worry. So what we're going to start with is saying, I'm not going to let worry be on the throne of my life. That's why we're using the word overthrow. Overthrow worry. Don't let it be on the throne of your life. Don't let it control you in your life. Now for you, 
how would, I like how you've defined, just as you've been going through this, Zach, how you've defined worry in terms of trust, who you're trusting. Yeah, um, I, a couple weeks after, I, I ended up going to my, um, to my primary care physician and talking with it through him a little bit, and then I had a follow-up meeting, or a follow-up appointment with him three weeks later, and I got to the appointment, and um, I just felt, I just felt really, really anxious, and felt like everything was coming up in me, and I, I've been listening to a book called Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado, and I just threw my, my headphones in, and turned it on wherever I was at last time, and he said, uh, right away, he's telling a story. You get a phone call from the doctor, and before the, the doctor or the nurse says something, you immediately go to, what's wrong with me? Or, or, and then the nurse comes online and says, we need, to, we, need you to, we need to see you, right? And they don't tell you why. They just say, we need to see you as quickly as possible. And immediately your mind goes to, what's going on? Is my heart failing? What's going on physically with me? Well, I don't have enough money to give my kids or my wife, all these things. And your mind can just take over control. And then at the end of that, before they even called me into the appointment, um, he says, here's the deal you are not trusting God. And so it, it got boiled down to simply, for me, worry and fear of these things happening to me was not trusting God. And that was a gut check to me, mm-hmm. right? I, I would have told you that, yeah, I, be, I, I believe God has a, a good plan for me and um, God's will ultimately will come to fruition. But my worry and my fear about leaving my family or about all these different things was simply not trusting God. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And so... That, then, I, then I was able to start redefining what I was thinking about and was that truly not trusting God and how would I grow in, in trust with God and, and ultimately give it to him and not take control over it myself. Well, and little did you, this is where it comes back to what the revelation you had about making work your God. And I, this is where I want to challenge guys out there, not that women can't have this issue too, but I, I bet you more men a lot, of, a lot of us as men, our identity is wrapped up in our job, in what we do. And really take a hard look and say, is it, has, has this become a God for me? Am I trusting this to fulfill me? Am I trusting this to feel like I'm in control of my life? Because for you, that was a big part of it. That's, that was part, I mean, I think there were several parts in your story, but work was part of it. And I think then your kids were part of it and realizing that you need, you need to put your trust, for both of, those, both of those categories, you need to put your trust in God. Absolutely. Rather than trying to be God, right? Yeah, and put it in its right place, mm-hmm. right? I, I had a, I've got a good buddy who, who goes to our Riverdale campus who I talked to a lot through this process among, among many other people, and, and he, said, uh, he said, it sounds like you're in a really good place right now. I said, excuse me? <laughs> do, do you know how I feel? He said, yeah, I do. But also, it also sounds like you're learning a lot about God, and God's reprioritizing your life a little bit. Mm. And I said, wow, that's a, that's a really good point. And he said, work's work, man. He's yeah. like, work's always going to be there. We have to provide for our families. You just have to put it in the right place. Yeah. Okay, so number one, he says, overthrow worry. Don't worry about anything. Like, make a decision. Worry is not going to dominate my thinking. I want, you to, I want you to hear that if you struggle with anxieties. You need to make it, a, you need to say, worry will not dominate me. I'm not, I'm gonna point it out, I'm gonna call it out, I'm gonna call it what it is, and I'm not going to let it dominate my thinking. And then number two, he says, instead, pray about it, everything. So what he's saying is, replace it with prayer. Here's a great little trick. Worry, let, 
typically anxiety, what anxiety does for you is it triggers more anxiety. It's kind of like the fear of fear response. You get anxious about something, your mind starts racing, and now it just gets you, it gets you in that loop, and now you're just, you're just ruminating on those anxious thoughts. So, and that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to be triggered with worry, and he wants it to create more worry for you. But here's how you can sort of flip that on its head. Instead, what you should say is, when I, when I feel anxiety, I'm going to let it be a trigger for something different in my life. I'm going to let it be a trigger for prayer. And we're not talking about like one time and then, okay, good, once I pray about it, it should be done. No, I'm saying let it be a constant trigger for prayer in your life. And, and so basically you become a person of prayer because of your anxiety. Satan's going to hate that. And that's what Jesus wants for you, is he wants you to become a person of prayer. He wants you to depend on him. Let that anxiety be a gift to you to trigger a positive thing, prayer. So, Zach, for you, as a regular guy, let's talk to other guys about what does that mean by prayer, because people are, might, might be thinking about folding their hands, closing their eyes. Um, are we talking about everyone becoming monks? What, what does prayer look like for you? Well, I, for, first, I would say I love the way that, that, that Paul positions that. He starts by saying... Um, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything, right? There's mm. anything and there's everything. Mm. And, you would, and you would say, well, what do you mean? How do I pray about everything? Well, we can't sit um, hand in hand with our families 24 hours a day and pray about everything, right? It's not realistic. And I think prayer looks a lot different um, for, for a lot of people, but it can look a lot different. Prayer is about growing in relationship with God. Prayer for me was um, say sometimes just concentrating what I'm thinking about and thinking about God. Sometimes it's, it's singing a worship song. Sometimes it's praying. For me, when I became really anxious, the panic attack happened while I was driving. So for about a week, I almost couldn't drive. I almost couldn't get in my vehicle and drive because that would, be, that would get triggered. I remember the next day driving to Home Depot, which I love Home Depot, and, and getting a quarter mile away and turning around and saying, this isn't going to happen. I, got, I have to go back home which is, again, crazy to think about. But, but I think prayer is, is just constantly staying in touch and in relationship with God um, and, and crying out to him, mm-hmm. you know, um, singing to him, thinking about him. I, I, and, and what that does for, for me is that helps focus on God and it doesn't focus on mm-hmm. me, right? The rumination that you talk about and the thinking about your thinking and the thinking about what might happen is because I'm thinking about myself mm-hmm. so I'm think, and I'm not thinking about God. Mm-hmm. So it, it helps me to focus on somebody else than myself and a growing closer relationship with God. And I like what you said. I think on the podcast you said this. You said prayer isn't, it's this kind of prayer especially, prayer isn't actually for God. God wants you to pray for you. It's not like God needs to be filled in on what you're anxious about. God already knows what you're anxious about. But, but prayer, prayer is a gift you give yourself, essentially, is because it gets you off of you, and it gets you focused on God who can, who can help you. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God doesn't need us to pray to him. You know, that's the gift God has given us to grow closer to him mm-hmm. and to, uh, you know, I, I, when I find myself, and we'll talk a little bit about, a little bit about it next, but I find myself um, talking about the desires of my heart when I pray. Uh, one of the most difficult times was every night when I would lay my head down 
in, uh, on the pillow. And a lot of times, because we were exhausted, my wife will, will go right to sleep and I'll just lay there and stare, <laughs> right? And then your mind gets going. It gets going like crazy. And that's when prayer is big, right? Because I can cry out to God and I can, I can talk about him, about the desires of my heart, which is honestly, you can reflect on when, when you lay in bed and you talk to God about the desires of your heart, it's also an opportunity to reflect on the true desires, because God showed me that some of the desires of my heart as I prayed to him were not his will hmm. and were very different from what the desires of my heart should be. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so that is the third thing. And this is for men especially. Men need to hear this. Number three, he says, tell God what you need. So I think what he's doing is he's expanding on the second thing, pray about everything. And then he's, he's getting more specific because some of you men might think we're talking about just, you know, Praying like manly prayers. No, he says, no, let's, let's, do, let's say it like this. Tell him what you need. Tell him what you need. And I, I think that's good. I, that, to me, that talks about vulnerability. It's like, you need to be willing to say, I need something. I can't do this on my own. I'm wigging out here. I'm, I'm in panic mode here. God, I need you to do something for me. This is what Paul's saying. Tell him what you need. Yeah, I love the passage in the Bible that said God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when we are unwilling to talk to God about what we need, um, it's, it's our pride mm. that's getting in the way, right? Because the reality is it's not us doing it anyways. It's God doing it, right? And, and so... If we're unwilling to, to lay it all out in front of him and talk to him about the desires of our heart, um, it's because we're prideful. It's because we think we don't need him and we in and of ourselves are good enough. And that's what God showed me, has shown me over the past six months is, dude, without me, you'd be absolutely nothing. And, and that's one thing that I can cling, cling to. And when you talk about a, a change of heart and, and prayer, and telling him what you need, it's not a, a once, one-time one time deal, yeah. right? It's a daily, yearly deal. And, and for me, this was God's way of showing me, um, hey, you need me. And then there's a fourth part of the cycle. He says at the end, these, again, this is all from verse six. He says, and then thank him for all that he's done. So the last thing is to thank God for the wins. I think anxiety, what anxiety does is it gets you to focus on the negative. It gets you to, and it's a, a lot of times it's just an illusion. It's not probably really gonna happen, but you're focusing on it. And what I love what Paul's saying here is, he says, how about instead you focus on the wins? How about you, instead you start listing out what God has done in your life on a positive note, not just on the negative note. Like make a decision that I'm going to be Positive. I'm going to have a spirit of thankfulness instead of a spirit of fear in my life, right? Yeah, that spirit of, of thankfulness and being thankful, um, for me, it'll, it allowed me to be present in the day with my family, um, with God, instead of thinking about the next day, instead of thinking about that night, instead of thinking about two years from now, instead of thinking about 18 years from now when... Um, we have a 36-year-old and one a fresh, who's a freshman in college, right? Like, it, instead of thinking about those things, it, it allows me to be thankful 
for what's, what God has given me and blessed us with that day. Mm. And just being present, I think, it has been so helpful to not, to not think forward about what if and what might happen. Because the reality is, if um, it, would, it would be sad if I were to, to pass away tonight, but my family's going to be great, and um, it, God's got a plan, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so that's, for me, just, just being thankful in general has been a really positive way to, to process and get through some of those anxious thoughts. And here's a payoff, and here's what happens. So this was all verse 6, so this is the peace cycle. And then what happens, the result of this is verse 7. Here's what it says. Then you will experience God's peace. When you do those things, and not just once, but when you make a habit of doing those things, he says, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And Zach, I want to give you the final word on this, because... I think you saw something in this. This verse meant a lot. These verses meant a lot to you, by the way, as you've been going through this. These are verses that you committed to, you recited, I think, every night, right, for several yeah. weeks. And something about the hearts and minds really jumped out at you. Yeah, there would be, there would be times at night laying in bed um, when our, our oldest daughter was a freshman on her own journey, figuring things out up in Logan and and finding her freedom, if you will. And then we had a couple little ones who weren't sleeping where my wife and I would, would just recite this verse, four, uh, four, six, and seven, over and over. And, and the one thing that stuck out, to me, stuck out to me about this payoff is, first off, um, peace, which exceeds all understanding, is crazy to think about. But it's crazy to think about because it exceeds all understanding, mm-hmm. right? So that would be something, you know, as, as our hearts are racing and as my mind is going crazy praying for that peace because it exceeds all understanding. And then secondly, when I, was, when I would become anxious, the two aspects of my physical body that would be most affected would be my heart. It would, it would race. It, I would feel palpitations. My mind would tell me that, you know, it's going crazy. And it would be my mind. And my mind would be all over the place and it wouldn't stop and it wouldn't shut up and, and I couldn't sleep. And so when I think about this passage, it just, it meant so much to me that the two things that this peace that passes all understanding, surpasses all understanding, guards in our body is our heart and our mind. Mm-hmm. And when, when I would be driving or when I would be laying in bed, I would, I would say, calm down. Because this peace that surpasses all understanding, the two things that you feel going crazy right now are your heart and your mind. And, and that, that helped Right, it was a direct correlation to how I was feeling. Yeah, that's so. good. So I want to pray for you guys right now because I know some of you maybe are here today and you would say, "I have experienced anxiety, and I want to try this. I want to practice what you see up here in these verses." And we want to just pray for you. Uh, we've shared our story. We've been vulnerable. I hope that you'll learn to be vulnerable with people in your world as well. But more than anything, turn to God because He's the one who has the solution for you. He's the one who holds the secret to overcoming your anxiety. Let's pray together. God, I pray for our young people in here because I know anxiety is is really sort of epidemic in our in our youth. And God, I pray for our young people that you would allow them to learn the secret, to be focused on who you are, Jesus, that you are in control, that you can guard our hearts and minds, that you can give us peace that the world can't even understand. And so I pray for our young people. I pray for God for 
other folks like Zach and myself, Lord, who have maybe more recently discovered some anxiety. And God, I pray that you would give us, Lord, that it would be a gift for us. God, that anxiety really would be a gift and it would teach us, it would train us to be more dependent on you. And so God, we just pray for that. God, that we would, that we would um, experience this peace that comes from you and that you would get all the glory and all the praise because of it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.